Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to another episode of the Three Muslims Podcast. We are the realest podcast in the dunya. And today we have a very, very special guest, mashallah, Elliot Hulse. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. It's our honor, really. Uh, Anil, do you want to talk a bit about uh, the inspiration that Mr. Uh, Mr. Hulse is to a lot of young men today? Let him talk about that. He knows it talk, best. Talk about how he's an inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you hype yourself up? No, I won't do that because I did that enough and the pride got to me and it was my yeah. doubt. I don't take any of it mm. seriously at all. You say our inspiration, I don't know. I just talk to a camera. I upload bits to a screen and, and people do with it whatever they want. I'm hands off. I keep doing it because I make money. If anything, I'm just, what they call you? A grifter. I'm just a grifter. I'm just putting stuff out there because YouTube gives me money. That's it. I'm not trying mm, to save the world. I'm not trying to, trying to save everybody. I'm just doing what God called me to do. And I, I, let, I let the rest go. So, okay, question. I know when you first started, um, you said you had an ego. I'll say the same thing for myself when I first started YouTube. Um, but what happened with you where you kind of started realizing like, ah, okay, um, this ego is kind of fake. Like people showing me validation, showing me hate, like this is kind of fake. When I started to believe it, when I started to, uh, when I started to crave it, I started recognizing that, oh, I put this video up and then I'm over there, I'm like waiting and looking like, all right, people are giving it thumbs up. And there was a time when I was the golden child of YouTube. I would get, I would have video with like 40,000 views and zero dislikes. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I must be amazing. Everybody loves me. I give good advice and I'm saving everybody. So I really started, and you know, when people put comments up that say that, you saved my life, Elliot. You don't know what you did for me, Elliot. Thank you so much, Elliot. People will even say, Elliot is a God. And I, I read that and I'm like, hmm, mate, maybe they're onto something. <laughs> And as you know, pride is before the fall. So, uh, and, and the same way that I was able to, I, I started taking in that praise was the same way that when the, when the negative started coming, I started, I would take that in too. And I started realizing like, wait a second, this is none of this, all of this is disordered. It doesn't make any sense. The ups and the downs that I have to be completely detached. Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a you know a ship in a storm, just up and down. I can't. One of my teachers said this to me when you know I was many years ago when I was explaining to him what was going on. He says, "Man, you subject yourself to the mass psychosis. You can't allow yourself to mirror the 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 mental sickness of the people in the world." And that's basically what I was doing. That's crazy, dude. And I guarantee. When people tell you, yo, like, Ellie, you changed my life. I see you like a father figure, like an uncle, like a brother or something like that. You're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad I get help. But it's like, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't go any further than that. Or at least no. that's how it feels for me. I can't. I can't. Because there was a time when I, at first I was inoculated against it. Because I really didn't even understand what was going on. I was just like, whatever, I'm just putting up videos. And, and then I started to believe it. And then when I started to believe it, then I got lost. And so you know, at this point, wisdom has taught me that it's not even me. It's whatever they're receiving, you know, it's not even really me on that screen. These are, it's just bits on a screen, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't know me, I don't know them. And so they could form their opinion 
maybe maybe I'm a great guy. Maybe I'm not. You know, some people actually found out that I'm not I'm not as great as you thought I was. <laughs> and that's that's heartbreaking sometimes. And you got a hero and you're like, wait a second, this guy's a little screwed up. So yeah, I'm a little screwed up. And so uh don't put your don't hang your hopes on me. Jeez, man. We're all screwed up to be honest. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Put around me, bro. Go ahead, man. So what do you say that when you were in that state? Um you're maybe not your view of yourself, but how you felt dependent on uh, people's perception of you. So like, let's say one video you posted got a million views and like first 10, next day you post and it doesn't that affect you. You know how like uh, an alcoholic, he gets that, he has that first drink and he doesn't know he's about to become an alcoholic. He has no idea, but he gets that first drink. He's like, man, this, this drink is great. I had such a great time. And then he does it again and it's like, okay, it's re it repeated it. But then he gets to a point where if he, don't, if he doesn't get that high, then he wants another drink. It's like, wait a second, one drink used to do it, but now I need two drinks. Now I need three drinks. It's like, I'm not getting that high that I wanted. And so it's the same, it, you know, it works that way with all kinds of dopamine hits that we get. And, you know, same thing with the screens, right? Uh, and I found that like, okay, so if I got a high, wow, I got a high from this video. Wow, everybody loves that. Everybody loves me. I must be doing amazing. And then, like you said, another one comes and it's like, oh, I didn't get, I didn't get the same high on this one. Let me go back. Let me go back and do it again. Let me be a little bit more eccentric. Let me say a little bit more. Let me say it louder. Let me be a little bit more crazy. Maybe they'll like this one. And then next thing you know, you know, you lose your mind. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy that you say that too, because referring to what you said before was like you're just putting something up and like they're going to take it how they take it. And it's like, bro, you might say one thing and your message might be one thing and they're taking something completely different. Right. Yeah, people hear what they want to hear. That's mm -hmm. another thing that you have to keep in mind too. People just, they hear what they want to hear. So it's not even what I'm saying. It's crazy, man. Very unfortunate nowadays, um, especially with like political correctness, right? Because they hear one thing or they think they hear one thing and all of a sudden it's like, some, like alarms are ringing people's heads. Uh, triggered. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the word. That is the word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get triggered. Well, I actually, I kind of enjoy triggering people too, because if you don't trigger people, you don't like, you don't know the landmine is there until you step on it. So triggering people kind of like, I think 2020, in a way, kind of, it sorted out the, it sorted things out because it's like, okay, now I know who's who. Whoever was triggered, you know, whoever was like, the the the, the crisis kind of brought people's true colors to the surface. And that's kind of what happens when you watch somebody get triggered. You're like, oh, okay, I see that. You got that little wound right there. That's a, that's a little weak spot. And if I just touch that, oh, you expose, you expose your, uh, your vulnerability. And so a lot of times I'll just do stuff and I'll just say stuff just because like I want to see where people are at. And uh, of course, it's not always well received, but that's the point. It's like, okay, let me see. Let me see who's who's going to have a hard time with this. Are you referring just to online or are you referring also to like in real life, like the people you communicate on a day to day basis? I live... I practically live under a rock. <laughs> I don't see anybody on a day-to-day -day basis. I have four children and my wife. And, uh, you know, of course I'll see like 
tomorrow's my birthday and I'm going to take my father. We're going to go to the Florida gun show. And so I'll see my father. I'll see my brothers and siblings, but uh, I don't really see anybody. And I kind of, I, I kind of prefer it this way. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> really? Do you think that's changed? Or do you think it's always been like that? No, I've always been. I, oh, no, I don't want to say always because I used to, you know, the world makes you believe that extroversion is some sort of, uh, it, it's better. It's better to be out there. It's better to be in front of people. It's better to be uh, charismatic. It's better to be in the thick of stuff. And so I think a lot of people who would generally be more introverted or basically, you know, more reserved and, and pulled into themselves, we, uh, because of the pressure or because the, the, it's so delightful to the world, we put ourselves out there as extroverts. And I found that, you know, maybe just because I'm getting old and grumpy, but over time I realized that like, I don't really actually, like, I don't really want to be out there. I don't want to be out there. I want to be dealing with anybody. I, like, I was very serious when I said that, you know, I make videos because it's my business. It's my work. If I, if it wasn't, if it, there was no profit in it, I, I wouldn't do this. What am I doing this for? I would just, I would, I could spend my days just raising my kids. We homeschooling now. I'm about to buy, we're, we're moving to a ranch. I could do homesteading. We can raise chickens and goats and milk cows. And like, there's so much other things to do. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So uh, I'm not that, I'm not that holy. I'm not that much of a nice guy. Like I'm just giving myself away. A lot of these people, a lot of these gurus like to pretend like I'm so altruistic that I'm putting myself out there to change the world. And uh, if you're honest, you're not trying, you're not putting yourself out there to change the world. You're putting yourself out there because you receive feedback because and there's, there's uh, you know, there's a sense of, uh, mirroring that you get from people. Uh, if you're like yourself and me and we're making YouTube videos and people like them, there's revenue that comes in. Uh, so I don't think anybody out there, you know, not to say there aren't any people, but I say far, far and few between are actually, uh, you know, doing it out of the, out of their overflowing of their heart. I just mm -hmm. want to help people. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. an ego trip too. That's an ego trip. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It reminds me of uh, when I first started YouTube, I was, um, I, I tried being real spiritual and I had this like spiritual ego and people were like, oh, this man is so selfless. He has no ego, but like low key, <laughs> I had the biggest ego being the spiritual guru type yeah. deal. And then I remember me and my uh, fiance had split. And like, at that point I was like, man, forget this. And then like my real ego came out, like my real side. And then people were like, oh man, like he changed. He, this guy's a, a piece of trash. I'm like, no, this is just me. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's the same. That's it right there, man. And when they see your true colors, if you didn't match up to the to the uh, idol that they make you in their head, then you you, you fall out of grace like I did. <laughs> but that's okay. It's like, it's like that box you said. People put you in that box. Right. Damn. Yeah, hey, I still remember that. Yeah, I don't want to be in that box. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, what are what are some uh, important values that you can see behind humility today? Because narcissism is at an all time high. Oh yeah, as long as you have a screen in front of your face, as long as you got a, one of these, you can't help but be narcissist because it it's a mirror of you. Especially if you're on social media, this thing is a mirror. You know the story of how the word narcissist came about. You know the story of narcissus, right? I think it's a I think it's an old Greek story or something, 
but Narcissus was he was he was marching with the warriors, right? I guess they were going off the battle or something, right? And as they're marching and they took a stop, they went to a pond. And when they stopped to get some water at the pond, he looked in the pond, he saw his, his reflection and he marveled at his reflection, right? He marveled at his reflection. He couldn't take his eyes off of it. He was like, wow. And the curse that was set upon him because he, because all the soldiers left, right? And he was just, he was just so taken in by his, the image of himself that uh, for the rest of his life, check this out, this is funny. For the rest of his life, the curse was that he would, the, these birds would follow him around and repeat everything that he says. Every word he says would be repeated back to him. What is this? This is the birds repeating back everything that we, we say into ourselves, right? Every time I open this up and I say YouTube, I see myself. In fact, I caught my son watching my YouTube videos today. And, I'm, and it's like, I can't get my, the voice, my own voice. I can't get it out of my head. It's just following me around. So uh, mm. I like that you say that, you know, that nar narcissism is ever present, but it's so insidious and it's uh, particularly with the, with the screens, you know, I, I didn't grow up with this. This is brand new. This is brand new to me, essentially. Um, it, when I grew up, there was a phone on the wall. We had it tethered to the wall with a wire. Uh, these are totally different. Uh, by mere virtue of these, these screens existing, you can't have one and not, be a narcissist. Have you ever taken a selfie? Have you ever taken a selfie? You're a narcissist. You're looking at yourself. <laughs> mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree, man. Um, and what do you think that humility has in the, in our role in the universe as a, as a creation, as opposed to the creator? Well, by by mere virtue of you even saying that is an act of humility, recognizing that I am not God. I am not the creator. We've been in our society. They, we become our own gods. Do what you want, right? Your truth. Uh, if it feels good, right? So essentially we, we, we become the subjective standard by which we live our lives rather than an objective standard by, by fact of I'm not the creator. God, the father is the creator. And so as, uh, as far as humility is concerned, it's knowing your place. That's really what it is. Knowing your right place in the order of things, not being inflated or uh, deluded about your position in things. My, I'm, I'm beneath. I'm beneath. I'm not above. And by holding that, just even like you said, just holding that thought that I'm a creation. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature. <laughs> right even to say that right isn't that mm -hmm. is, it does isn't that like uh if you say something like that it hurts people feeling right like uh you know you you can't say stuff like that you're a creature what are you denigrating me the sjw will come and get you uh but to recognize that yeah i'm dust man i'm dust from dust to dust i am nothing i'm here like this i'm gonna be gone and to live your life with that remembrance will provide some level of humility at least Mm -hmm. It reminds me the story you were telling about narcissist. Doesn't he die at the end? Doesn't he fall <laughs> into the the pond, the lake, and um, then at the end, uh, the lake was crying or something like that. And then I think like the birds or something asked the lake, "Oh, why are you crying?" Is like, "Oh, well, now I can't see my own reflection in narcissist." Wow! And like it's a tangled web. Yeah, I don't know if that is the story. I might be butchering uh -huh. it, but um. If, if we were to include that and we, we do talk about this, it's like 
without the humility, that's what's happening to people. Right. You have this phone, you get this narcissism that starts to develop. And if you don't check yourself or you have no one to check you, like that's, that's a downward spiral. Yeah, it can consume us. I know. You think about it, it's kind of like this, um, this like top tier perception of what we should be like is dictated by, you know, the society we, you know, we live in. This, this liberalistic movement of, you know, like you said, you know, do you, you know, your truth, right. so on and so forth. Not, not only is it promoting narcissism, but it's saying you should also look like this, talk like this, say these things, not say those things. This, you know, this is the gray area and this you just never say or else. Right. Wiped off the face of the earth. <laughs> right. Um, Cancel. <laughs> exactly. And it actually reminds me of a verse in the Quran where it says, have you seen the one who has taken his own desires as is his own God? Right. And if you think about it, that's so profound. And that's today, whatever yeah. you feel, you do it. That's why mm-hmm. so many different things and including like pedophilia nowadays, trying to be integrated into us and all that, um, because they were born this way. No, they just right. desire these things. And that's right. a huge problem nowadays. Right. Right. Nobody wants any boundaries. They don't believe that there's a right and a wrong. They don't believe that there is an objective right and wrong. Some stuff is just wrong. But you, but again, once again, you say that, like you said, you get canceled. You can't tell that person is wrong. He's a pedosexual. He was born that way. He likes to have sex with children. And this is, the, they're pushing this. They, they, there's a movement towards making that okay. <laughs> we take what's evil and make it good. And then it's crazy because you take what's good and you make it evil. That's what they do. 100%, 100%. We actually talk about this pretty often, like the, the concept of marriage, right? It's, it's, it's very big, just like it's big in Christianity, it's big in Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be made so easy, but nowadays it's so difficult. And like, I'm 20, when I tell people, oh yeah, I'm trying, like I'm getting married soon, they like lose it. Some guy at work, he's like, I could, it's like he didn't even want to talk to me. He was warning me actually, like, be careful, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, but it's so true. Like, um, we have a concept of halal, permissible, and haram, prohibited, lawful, and, and sinful. Um, and we have a saying that people make the the lawful sinful, and they make the sinful lawful. And it's That's right. It's very sad, and it's all backed by secularism, which is removing um, religion. Right? right. I was thinking about this recently. I just like to end off this note. I was thinking about it recently. It's it's so egotistical it's so narcissistic to be human beings and understand that there's a possibility god exists and a possibility god's law exists but to think even if it's a possibility i don't care if it's true i'm going to make my own laws i'm going to make my own rules i'm going to govern myself um that's the biggest uh, most narcissistic mindset i think anyone can have nowadays Um, Mm -hmm. yeah problematic yeah i agree with you and that's exactly where you are where they are um your friend that was uh, warning you about uh, marriage, was he Muslim? No, I don't know what, what his religion is, but he wasn't Muslim. Right, because people without faith, that, that, that is their religion. So he's giving you advice based on the religion he lives by, which is modernism, right? Secularism. And so he's giving you good advice, but not for a traditional Muslim, not, not for me and my woman and the way we live our life, right? We have a totally different set of standards amazing that you put it that way because it's, it's always uh, it's always a matter of perception right um 
mm-hmm. everyone on their side is the hero and the other side's always the enemy at the end of the day. So the way he's looking at it is like 20 because he has marriage as one thing. And I have marriage as right. like completely like to him marriage is like after you've been with x amount of people you're ready to settle down <laughs> for me it's like i'm ready to embark on this journey in my life to uh to be with someone to you know fulfill god's will so on and so forth right but um i feel like a lot of the problems we have nowadays uh is backed by something you talk a lot something that we're all passionate about which is um you know masculinity manhood and having good father figures because they ought to be the ones to teach their sons masculinity manhood and right. how to be a proper father. Um, so let's start off with the positives. What do you think the positives are in having a good father figure or having society of good father figures? Well, we do know statistically that uh, single mother homes or where there's uh, absence of fathers, there's an increase in everything from obesity to disease, to incarceration, to depression, to drug abuse, to all all the bad stuff, if you look at the statistics, generally come from the rot of the family, from the breakdown of the family, from feminism, essentially, because that's what brought in this divide to uh, to, to fracture the family. So, uh, you know, the very first thing we have to consider is that a society cannot hold itself together, cannot be a virtuous society, cannot be a good society if there are not strong families. And we cannot have strong families if we do not have strong fathers. And we're suffering the repercussions of this right now. In every instance that there was a, uh, a mass shooting, you know, in America, you got all these mass shootings, the, the media pumps this stuff up. Um, every instance, one thing has in common is that the, the boys were fatherless and they were raised in daycare. So it's not only the fatherlessness, but when there's fatherlessness, there's motherlessness because then the state becomes the daddy. Then care for the children and for the family, rearing of the family gets outsourced to strangers, essentially. And so uh, we got to make a comeback. You got to make a comeback to good families and the way good families are going to make come back is by having strong men. Women can't do it. It's not their responsibility. It's not their place to do it. It's up to us. It's completely unfair to expect the mom to be the mom and the dad uh, and to expect a child to look at a woman and, and take fatherly advice from her. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I just want it's to just back the up. Advice, but the mirroring, right? Like, men know how to be men only when we're in the presence of men. We can't, because there's mirror neurons. We have to be able to see it, right? If I've never seen, never been in the presence of, never interacted with a strong alpha male leader, I'm not even going to know how to, first of all, I will never know that in myself, but if I see one, I'm not going to even know how, how, what to do with that guy. I had this one kid in my King Transformation program last night. We were talking. It was pretty cool. He grew up in his home uh, with just his mother and his sisters. And he, you know, he's clever. He, he, he figures some stuff out. He knows it like, you know, something's not right here. Well, uh, this week he went to Tennessee to go stay with his uncle for a little bit. And his uncle is like alpha male. His uncle's a good man. He's, he, he's, and his wife is a submissive wife. He's got a good wife. And so he called me from there yesterday and I, and I was talking to him. He's like, I've never seen this before, like the way my uncle carries himself and the respect that his wife has for him and the way the children speak to him. I was like, this is a, 
this is like mind blowing to me. And he was trying to explain to me like, now I get it. Now I kind of understand some of the things you're talking about because I can see it. But if you've never seen that and you're not going to see it on the TV, you're not going to hear about it on the, on the music. The media is, is totally uh, degenerate. So the minute they see and what typically happens is the minute they do, if they're not, if they're right, if they, if they're not open, if they're not, if they don't recognize there's a problem, a lot of times they'll reject you know, that man, that's why they call it toxic. They'll reject any kind of a strong alpha male masculine men. Immediately, it's like, oh, get him away from me. That's a bad man. <laughs> On Hill Fire, do you guys have anything to add to this? I know you guys. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, Just to add on to what you said, Elliot, it's like we need to have that strong man. And if you don't have, if, it, if a, a kid is fatherless, then he's also motherless. And like, man, I think that rings true because speaking from myself, I love my mom. I love my mom, just like I'm sure most other people will say they love their mom as well. But you know what? Like my mom tried to be there, but you know, she was going through her own thing because her and her husband got divorced, my dad at the time. Yeah. And then her just kind of going through that, but then trying to be there for us and then also trying to talk to other men trying to get out into the playing field again and then bringing a guy who doesn't give two shits about me or my sister. Right. Like that, that's where like things start getting, uh, the, the lines start getting blurred. And that's what happens to a lot of people as well, where it's like, if they happen to have a dude come into their life, like a stepfather, like nine times out of 10, that stepfather is pretty abusive, pretty, uh, pretty toxic. You know what I mean? I could imagine because it's not your kids. You shouldn't be boning that woman anyway, right? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's and this is just my opinion. I'm not calling anybody out, but I don't see why any man would get involved with a woman that has children. She should be with her husband. They should figure it out. That's just my opinion. They should figure it out. And if they can't. And she needs to be, and this is the same thing for men too. I don't think it, I don't think it's right for men to, to be hopping from wife to wife. Mm -hmm. uh, then you stay alone. If you can't figure it out with one woman, then you know what it means? It means you need to figure it out. You need to figure this out on yourself. You need to be by yourself. And you, need, and you even, because of the failure in your family in that way, you need to allow yourself to pay the penance, pay the price, mortify yourself a little bit by not getting back into the pleasure of having, you know, another partner, right? Because a lot of times that quote unquote partner is just somebody that they're going to project their neediness on and, you know, get their rocks off on. And uh, if that person has a family or if you have a family yourself, you's, you're, not doing, you're, you're not doing any service to the children. You're just making it worse. That's just my opinion. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. cool. I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of rewind a little bit. I know before this, this current call that we're on, we talked a little bit about your childhood and how a lot of the traits that you have observed in your father at the time, you couldn't really see the wisdom and value that you do right. now. So what are some of those things that you you've seen and witnessed growing up that you didn't really vibe with and resonate with, but you do see now? Well, a lot of it comes from the fact that the culture promotes a particular type of man, right? The culture promotes the soft man, the effeminate man, the weak man, um, either that, or it shows a completely disordered, hyper aggressive man, you know? And so there's no, there's really no in between. 
And so seeing seeing these caricatures of men, you know, on this on the screen, or even like I said in my in my friends' homes, because my dad's not from here. Here's a key thing distinction: my dad's not from America. So a lot of the a lot of my friends' uh, fathers were acting like you know Bill Cosby and Homer Simpson. They were they were acting the way they were trained to act by watching the media that they watched and being in the culture. My dad grew up in the jungle. My dad knew nothing about any of this stuff. He he lived by the law of the jungle. It was like if you it was you had to be an alpha male just to survive. It was like you wouldn't you're not gonna survive out there if you don't if you don't if you aren't actually masculine. You'll you'll suffer. Uh, and then he came to America. So uh, a lot of the things that he would do and a lot of things he would say would would just be considered uh, toxic and taboo. And you would never see like a like a uh, like a Bill Cosby or something say it uh, or do it. A couple of the things that my dad like he he hammers home and he's he, he talks in terms of, you know, things that a lot of people would reject is his relationship to my mother. And, and like my parents are funny because he says all this stuff right in front of her he, and he'll say things like, you know, you don't need a, a useless woman, a woman who can't cook, a woman who can't clean, a woman who can't take care of the kids is a useless woman. And I remember when he used to say stuff like that because I grew up in this feminist world, I'll be like, that's not true, dad. That's not true. You got to love somebody for their heart, not for what they can do. And I used to, you know, I, I would argue with him. Like, that's not true. Just, you know, you could get somebody else to, to cook and clean and, you know, and it's good for a woman to go out and, you know, have a career. I believed all that stuff because that's the world told me. But then as a by and by, and as I watched other families falling apart and having the struggles that they have that my, my family didn't have, I started to realize, oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that maybe my dad was right because he said all these things. And now I'm looking around and I'm realizing that people that live by the law that I thought was right, their lives are falling apart. Yet my parents have been together for like 50 years and they're, they're great. They're fine. And they raised us to be the same way. I've been with my wife going on. We, we started dating when we were in high school, <laughs> right? I know you get married at 20. I got married at 23, but I practically married that girl when I was in high school. I haven't. So it had that long term, uh, that long term successful relationship is very rare. And I I attribute it a lot to the way my parents were traditional gender roles. That's a big part for my dad. Traditional gender roles. So I know you said that your your pop said uh, the whole thing about the useless woman. But what else did he say and do that was just completely different from what we see here? We used to get what? (laughs) <laughs> that's another big difference that's another huge difference my dad used to whoop us he had no qualms about whoop take off that belt and he'll take, hold your hand up and you get a couple clappings on your butt him and my aunt used to whoop us you can't do that anymore you can't even you can't even bring that up because that's child abuse so i you know my and my mom she was like part of the culture a little bit more into the culture as women typically are you know she would watch oprah and shit like that and she started getting worried she's like Edmund, your children are going to tell, they're going to go to the psychologist and they're going to say that you abuse them and that they're traumatized. (laughs) So my mom would like, you know, kind of stand up for us sometimes because she's like, you're going to traumatize the children because look, and she was watching like Oprah and, but he didn't pay her no mind. (laughs) I'm happy he didn't. There was some other old school things like we didn't, and this may sound, seem insignificant, especially today when we have like the screens, but like, for example, uh, we had no cable TV growing up. Everybody had cable TV. My dad was like, I don't want you watching any of that. We had no cable TV. We had six channels and one TV, right? 
Uh, we had to be home for dinner and we ate dinner with the family every night. That's none, none of my neighbors. We I would be upset because I'm like, I got to come home. And I got to eat dinner. And I look out the window. My friends are still running out out on the street. And here I am. I was like, I gotta come home because my dad's home. I got to eat dinner Sundays. Right. Sundays, we weren't allowed to go out. We weren't allowed to do anything. Uh, my dad put up a lot of boundaries. I think that's what I'm getting at. At, at a certain point, like I, I began to recognize, like, why am I is dad so strict? Why do we have so many rules? Why are there so many boundaries? Uh, we couldn't go out past like uh, eight o'clock at night or something like that. I forget what it was, but it would be like still bright outside. We got to come inside, but my friends are still out there running around and we would just be shouting at them through the window because my dad is mean. And so, of course, I resented him. I, 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 I rejected a lot of that when I was a kid. But then I started to grow up and I started to recognize the difference between myself and the, and the other children as they grew. And now it's so evident now because I'm a father and I look at all the broken families, all the broken families and the way my generation is raising their kids or lack thereof. I knew that I know now I'm like, OK, my dad did something right. And especially when I started bumping into various challenges with my own children, because, again, I grew up in this blue pill beta five world. I was a blue pill beta five boy. And so, you know, and then I had three daughters. That's what red pilled me a lot, too, was the fact that it's like, wait a second. OK, I got three daughters now. And so this and my dad had three sons. It was three of us. So he I had to I had to be based on a totally different level than my father, because the manipulation to the young women in this world is bad for men, right? With porn, oh man, it's so bad for men. But it's real bad for girls. It's, just, it's real bad for girls too. They can't, I got to a certain age with my daughters where I couldn't buy, I couldn't find modest clothing for them. I'm like, why is this, this is my nine-year-old daughter, why can't I find a pair of shorts that doesn't, it's not like all the way up her leg? It, does it not exist? It don't exist. You have to go and uh, like do like the Amish. You got to make your own or a lot. Like I know Muslims, you guys have you have the special, special garb. Put on that whole thing. Cover yourself, cover everything except your eyes. <laughs> and uh, and I see the value in it. I'm like, yeah, that's right. There should be some modest clothing. There should be some modest boundaries. Right. I see these guys. They got daughters the same age as mine. I got rules for my daughters. You, you can't show they can't show cleavage you don't show your belly button your your shirt your skirt your shorts got to be a certain length i don't understand when i walk out there and i see these men walking around with their daughters and their daughters look their daughters like all tied up into the belly button showing and the tits out i'm like this is your this is your 15 year old daughter and you just walking with her like that's okay <laughs> I, I have a problem with that and this is all comes from you know this my because my dad was like that i had one sister he was like that with my sister so uh all this to say that I'm happy that I saw I, I grew up in a home with a strong father that set those boundaries. So when it came time for me to set boundaries, I had something to mirror. And, and that's when my dad started becoming my best friend. And I started asking him, like, OK, what am I going to do here, dad, in this situation? He was like, well, remember what I did with you? I'm like, ah, OK, that's why I get it. So what did you see different in yourself growing up between like the other kids? I wasn't much different than other kids personally, right? Meaning like, mm -hmm. you know, I had the same values. I watched the same cartoons. I was playing the same mm -hmm. video games. I went to the same school, right? So I had the same brainwashing as them. The only difference was that I had a stricter, I had a stricter father at home. So right? you would say that, that it was something that manifested itself later in life? I was able to see the benefit of 
being in that situation with my father when I started having children myself. That's when okay. that's when that's when it started making that's when it started showing the difference. That's when the difference started manifesting itself to me. And then I watched the other people and I'm like, wow, uh, they're having a hard time because they don't know how to, especially men, they don't know how to set up boundaries because nobody set up boundaries for them. If nobody set up boundaries for you, you don't know anything about boundaries. How are you going to put up boundaries? You, you know nothing about it, especially in a world that calls boundaries oppressive. Mm. What? You trying to put up a wall? You trying to keep, you trying to keep certain things in and certain things out? You're not supposed to do that. Everybody's supposed to mix and it's supposed to be all one big orgy. But that's that's a recipe for chaos. Mm. You need boundaries. Every garden, my father's a gardener. And one of the things he uses an analogy for me, he was like, you see my garden here? Notice every time, because he just moved to another house. He said, notice every time I set up a garden, what was the first thing I do? I put boundaries. He puts a wall up or some sort of boundaries, boundaries of trees. He's like, because you got to keep out the things that you don't want destroying the, the, the flowers that's in here. And he's, he treated our family the same exact way. We were, only, we were the only house on the block. We were the only house on the block that had a big fence around it. It was the strangest thing. <laughs> we had a long, big chain link fence and all the other neighbors just had wide open yards and stuff. And I would ask my dad, you know, I was going up. And I'll say, my dad, why do we have a fence around the house? And he says, because you see that fence? Everything on the inside of this fence, I'm responsible for. I take care of. There are certain rules, certain boundaries, and way things that are done inside this fence. I can't control what's happening on the outside of that fence. And I don't know what's going to happen when you go on the outside of the fence, but you know how things are on the inside of this fence. And just by mere virtue of having that boundary, let me know that there's, there's a difference. There's a contrast. There's a right and wrong. There's polarity. Reminds me of a Lion King. You remember Lion King? Where he mm -hmm. said, like, oh, you see, you see this everywhere where the sun touches, like that's the pride. Mm -hmm. And like everywhere where the sun like doesn't touch, like we don't go over there. Like you right. there's nothing over there. Hey, that's none of our business. That's their business. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of people might be tuning in now and, and wondering that whatever um you were talking about, Elliot, about this whole thing about promiscuity and how you know it's not in our best interest to just, you know, get it in with everyone that <laughs> comes across us. They might even be wondering why. Like, what, like, isn't that normal to have experiences, to get to know more people and then see what you really like? What are the values of, uh, of modesty and, you know, not being promiscuous, especially from uh, someone like yourself who's been with the same woman since uh, you were 14? The first thing that we have to take into consideration as men is our addictive personalities men get very quickly addicted to things that's why pornography is so proliferant this is why video games are so proliferant we get a we get a high from something and it's not to say that women don't too but there's something within the male genome that makes us once we get what we want we want more of it want more of it want more of it and we become attached to it this is why you know most men most alcoholics are men most drug addicts are men is men uh, sex is no different because when you have sex, there's a there's a explosion of neurochemicals in your mind that are very similar to that of somebody who takes a heroin hit. It's a it's a drug. Sex in a lot of ways is a drug. And what ends up happening when you're addicted to a drug, the drug dealer becomes your god. You ever see a crack addict? I haven't seen a crack addict before. If you watch like movies and stuff, I seen them on TV. You ever if you see the crackhead talking to the crack addict and he's over there looking like, yeah, man, I need my fix. I don't have anything right now, but I need some. He's so he's 
he needs it so bad. You see the same, you see the men acting the same way with these women after they start having sex with them. The minute and I had a guy on my call last night and he knows it about himself. Now, the minute they put their penis in a woman, that's it. All bets are off. They become lost because they're addicted to that woman's sex. And, and the worst thing is that they don't even know that woman because once they start having sex with that woman, they put on the sex goggles. And when you have on those sex goggles, you don't see that woman anymore. All you see is that, oh, you start getting that feeling between your legs. And it's like, oh, man, I just can't wait to get into that once again. It's, a, it's an addiction. It's a feminacy and it makes men lose themselves. So I'm just talking in terms of the, 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 the deleterious effects of promiscuity for men. Also, in a world that, that, uh, that glorifies pleasure, a world that, that doesn't see the value in mortification, see the value in suffering, see the value in discipline, really, see the value in restraint. Chastity, right? There's no, the, the world doesn't promote that. The world promotes, have fun, feel good, do what you want, do what you like. Uh, we get lost in, we get lost in, um, we get lost in effeminacy. We get lost in addiction. We get lost in pleasure. And if you're lost in pleasure, there's no room for the father. There's no room for the father. There's no room for God when you're, when you're pleasure seeking. When you're when you're addicted to a drug, and that's nine times out of ten, that's what the issue is. With the, in my mm -hmm. mind, as far as it relates to something that most young men can relate to, because there's a whole lot of reasons why it's it's not a good idea. But the number one is that it destroys men's lives because they lose themselves. Mm -hmm. In Islam, we have uh, this whole concept of uh, um, a nikah, which is uh, a marriage between two people. And we're not allowed to be promiscuous and we, we need a nikah. And one of the main reasons and the wisdom behind it from God is that it assures paternity. There's this line of heredity. There's no fatherlessness going around, uh, going around which is uh, at an all-time high today, like we mentioned. Right. And uh, everyone knows who is linked to who. Because if you have kids with someone, then you have to know who the father is because they're unionized, they're married. Right. It's not like you can just, you know, do it with like five people and then you don't know who the father is because, you know, that's also one of the reasons, um, you know, in, in Islam, at least um, women have to be monogamous because if women are not monogamous, then you can't tell who the, the father is. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of father confusion out there. There's a whole industry uh, based on trying to get paternity tests to see who daddy mm. is. It's a mess. So I agree with that, too. That's another that's another great reason not to have sex out of wedlock. Mm. Now take a step back because my mind is still on this uh, other thing. But um, you had this programming from your pops, right? He, he basically structured a, a foundational programming that for the most part, it kind of went to the side as you went into this world, uh, you started getting the programming of this world, of everything that you were experiencing. But then later in life, you started realizing like, oh, well, this ain't quite right. This isn't working here. And then that's when you realize, okay, well, I need to change something. And then when you went back, you realize, oh, I actually already have this programming that my dad instilled right. on me when I was a young kid, which that was like a huge benefit for you. So a question that I have for you is someone who didn't have that. Like, How can they go about um, restructuring and reprogramming, pre reprogramming themselves to where they can start to be uh, that masculine male in their lives? You know, uh, I'm grateful that I have my father 
And I'm grateful that I, I was able to return to him, right? Because that doesn't always happen, right? You can have a good father. You, that's why I say as tough as parents, because you could do all the right things and your children can still reject you. And that's it. It's like, what are you going to do? The culture, that's, you're, you're screwed. That's it. Um, and I, I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to return to my father. And there's a, there's a cross-cultural pattern uh, that's, that's, according to anthropologists, Mercer Eliade, uh, in terms of male initiation, masculine initiation, it happens, you know, he, when he did his study, he recognized that like, all primitive societies, all traditional societies have this movement away from the world of the mother and this atonement with the world of the father that needs to happen. And that a boy does not become a man until this process happens where he is removed from the world of mother. I like to think of the word mother in the same, word, same way as matter, as uh, material, as matrix, matriarchy. Uh, it's all about the physical representation of pleasure uh, in life. You know, it, it's, it's what's comfort, it's where we come from, right? It's emotion, it's pleasure, it's comfort. And the mother represents that. And it's fine, it's good until a certain point when the boy actually has to make something of himself, he has to become of some value to society and he can't continue to be wrapped up in the world of the mother, the world of the matrix, the world of material comfort, creature comfort. And so the way this would happen is that they would generally remove the boy from the mother and then he would be, uh, he would have challenges and austerities opposed upon him. My brother did a Native American uh, ritual of this sort uh, many years ago when he was in college and they took him up to the top of a cliff and they, put, uh, he, they sat him down on a, on a big rock and drew a circle around him and they said, okay, now you need to sit there for four days. And that's what he had to do, he had to sit there for four days. What that does is it breaks you of, a, of your addiction. It breaks you of your addiction to pleasure. It breaks you of your addiction to mommy, to comfort, to uh, even this sense of, um, there's, a sense of, there's a sense of pride that's associated with getting that pleasure and getting whatever you want and being a mama's boy. All that needs to be broken. The entire ego needs to be broken down. And so this is where the right, you would call it a rites of passage. This is where the rites of passage would come in. And that's the middle, that's the middle transition. Movement away from the world of the mother, rites of passage, means you're being challenged. You, they usually do fasting. It's usually some kind of challenge. You know, maybe they were like, depending on the society, maybe you got to kill a bear or something like that. Um, but it was always something tough to break you down, right? A young man needs that. He needs a little bit of toughness in his life. And then the third and final come around would be the atonement with the world of the father. And this is where religion comes in. This is where mythology comes in. This is where meaning and purpose in life, a transcendent purpose, you know, the ancestors or God, the father, something more transcendent, something bigger than ourselves becomes instilled into the, into the young man. So that when he comes back into society, he has a sense of dignity. Right. Rather than just, you know, the way most men young live their lives today, they had, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's no dignity. And so knowing that that's the pattern movement away from pleasure, challenge and then meaning we could put because the grandfathers don't do that because the fathers don't do that because the ancestors don't do that anymore. We could find a way to do it for ourselves. I notice. I think I even noticed in some of your videos, you talk about like dopamine detoxes and taking cold showers and, you know, doing things that are tough. So that you, to, so you're breaking yourself of that effeminate attachment. Break yourself away from screens for a little while, fast maybe. 
take some cold showers, do something tough, do something challenging, put away all the, all the little baby boy addictions, right? Um, fasting is huge. Fasting is probably the easiest way to just get right into it because we're, we're so, food is so insidious. We're eating all the time. I know you guys fast for Ramadan. That's a great idea. That's an amazing idea. Everybody, I think everybody should fast. But once, once you can break away from our creature comforts, our addictions, right, the, the pleasures in our life, that's good. That's a good start. That's a very good start. It's a good start. But you need some sense of meaning in your life because then you're going to come back. And in the Bible, there's somewhere Jesus says something to the effect of when you kick out He's talking about uh, casting out demons from somebody. He's, he uses this analogy. He says, when you kick out the demons from this house, he's using an analogy as a house. You kick the demons out of his house. If you don't fill that house back up with something right, the demon's going to come back with seven of his friends. He's coming right back. Just because you kicked them out, just because you cleaned up your act, just because you did some fasting and you did some austerity, if you don't now take that clean slate and print something right on it, it's going to go right. You're going to go right mm. back. You're going to go right back, bro. And so I'm a fan of religion. That's why I'm a fan of religion. I think, I think for a man to be a manly man, he has to have the boundaries of a religion, of a faith. If he has, so he has some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose in his life. So religion and fasting. And did you say, I think you said at one point in one of your videos that <clears throat> you started getting into a martial arts. You started doing Muay Thai. Yeah, I did more time. I did it for a little while. I did it for like maybe like six months. I didn't stick with it. How'd you all. like it? I liked it. I liked it just because of the, the workout itself. Just whooping that bag. Pow, uh -huh. pow. Like I just, I would be in there and I'd be shouting. Everybody knew when Elliot was coming because I was just, I just wanted to beat the crap out of that bag. But for me, it was just like getting energy out. You know, a lot did of you, did they ever have you spar or anything like that? Yeah, we did some sparring. <laughs> we did some sparring. I'm a rough guy. I don't know how to go halfway. So every time we would spar, guys would get mad with me, like, calm down, Elliot. Did anyone uh did anyone manhandle you? Now, that's Muay Thai. I did jujitsu for about two weeks and I was done. I had I had I had this uh like 20 year old girl wrap her legs around my neck and almost choked the shit out of me. And I was like, okay, I, I can't do this. Uh, Jiu-jitsu is tough. Mm -hmm. Those guys, they're like little spiders. They just get, you know, and the next thing you know, I'm getting choked out and I will use all my muscle. I'll use all my might trying to fight, but like they would just rest and they would wait. And at the next moment, like a boa constrictor, just wrap, just choke me out. So I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> All right. So when when the chick pretty much crushed the neck, how did you feel after that? Emasculated. Emasculated, right? <laughs> yeah. Kinda well, I mean, I was kind of joking because you know, if I really, if I wanted to, I mean, all I had to do is just, doof, <laughs> I would uh -huh. broke her ribs. Uh -huh. But uh, <laughs> so of course, you know, I let her beat me, but she was technically, she was a lot better than me technically. Um, yeah. But I rec what I recognize is that this is a um, as a as a as an art as a skill is something that will take years and years to develop, and I wasn't interested in. That's not what I was there for. I was there to just you know learn a few different ways that I could defend myself and just get a good workout. And hey, so that was better for me. Yeah, hey, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I live in Florida, no. so we have uh we have open carry. So I just if I have a problem, I just pull out. My yeah, <laughs> yeah, I live in Florida too, bro. So I, I know how it is. You live in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was um on a side note, 
I don't know if you know this guy, but um, his name's Peter Perez. Probably don't know him. But uh, me and him were boys at one point, and we used to watch your videos all the time back in, like, 2015. Not to hype you up, man, but, like, we were trying to come down to St. Petersburg nice. just so we could check out your gym. So it's uh, it's yeah. crazy because, like, we literally only stayed, like, a few hours away. Where do you live? Uh, at the moment, I stay in Claremont. Oh, I'm moving to Lake County. Get out of here. Yeah, I'm moving to Lake County uh, at the end of this month. Eustis. That's crazy. Yeah, we bought 40 acres. That's, dude, mm, that's a that's, blessing. Yeah, that's the Strength Camp Ranch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold all my vents there. You've been, you've been talking man. about that, that, new, uh, that new place. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to start farming and all that. Yep, it's coming. <laughs> mm -hmm. So speaking of Ramadan, uh, ironically, you brought it up, and it's, Elliot, it's four or five days away. Ah. And uh, you made a wonderful video that struck me uh, about Ramadan. And uh, a brother came to you and asked a question, something along the lines of, uh, Ramadan might ruin my games, right? right? What should I do? And, uh, you know, maybe your advice back then might be the same, you know, because it, it's been a few years, people change. So uh, what is your message to today? Um, for people that are wondering, will Ramadan ruin these material things, these physical things, you know, right. my routines, physicality, uh, strength, uh, you know, proteins. What do you have to say? That's the point. That's the point. That's the point to die to yourself, right? That's what fasting kind of is. Fasting is like a little death to your ego. And so if you're trying to hold on to stuff while you're going through this mortification process, you're missing the point. The whole point is to let go of all that. It's, and it's only a short period of time, right? What you want is going to come back. Could you, could you dedicate these days to God and just put your ego aside for a little while? Maybe you lose a few pounds. What's the big deal? You're going to gain it back. Maybe, you, you know, whatever it is that you're afraid is going to happen, offer that up. Offer that up to the Lord and say, look, take this away from me. I don't want to be addicted to it. I want to do this for you. I'm not doing it for me. And that's the attitude that you, I imagine that's the attitude that you want to have when you go into it. Not fearful about what you're going to lose. Think about what you could gain even, right? A new sense of clarity, a new sense of devotion. That's really similar to what you were saying before about um, having a good moral standing. That's why you love religion, right? Um, I remember hearing there's three things everybody needs in life, something to do, something to love, and something to look forward to. And if you look at religion, it provides all three of those things in and of itself. Yeah. The beautiful thing, because when you, like having good action is one thing, right? But if you lack the faith, then like, the action's kind of void, right? Um, right. Okay. And if you have good morals, but you're not acting on it, then what's the point of that? It's in your head and you're going to experience cognitive dissonance and all these troubles. But when you have good faith and good actions and they come together, then you're really being and at that point. Um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Things like fasting and giving up these, these dopamine highs um, wholeheartedly for the sake of God. Now you're getting, you know, the full picture and you're really. Right. So even asking a question like that, it's almost self-defeating. Mm -hmm. um like how do i get rid of the stuff but hold on to it <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah exactly they contradict each other so um yeah i'm just like kind of i'm thinking here for a second I, I, dude i'm that guy that will always backtrack in the conversation my bad but um <laughs> throughout your entire life have you ever been manhandled and and there's a point for me asking this i just want to know i'm not trying to like 
you know, make fun of you or anything like that. Manhandle? How do you mean by that? Like, let's say you got into a fight and you got your ass whipped. Or you went into the martial arts and you got your ass handed to you, like the chick crushing your throat. I don't know if I would ever say I got manhandled, but I definitely have been humiliated before. Okay. Um, you know, there have been times I've gotten jumped before, right? And, you know, the, these, these are kids that, like, they jump me and then run. <laughs> so I wasn't manhandled. I was ambushed. <laughs> I'm thinking of a couple of situations like that. Um, you know, as far as the jujitsu is concerned, that was, that was uh, you know, it's a, that's practice, right? Like I said, yeah. if I wanted to crush that girl's ribs. All I got to do is suplex boom <laughs> that's it she'd be done um but i've definitely been i've been humiliated physically and morally you know several times i mean and then i compete in sports so like I, you know I, was, I did real well at strongman it was the last sport that i really competed in and there were times those guys would just they would just destroy me because there's some some beast out there you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying so yeah, and you know, manhandled by God too, right? Like there's certain times when I, you know, I'm think I'm getting brash and I'm thinking too highly of myself and I'm getting real prideful and, and egotistical. And God is like, Oh, you think you so tough? Take this to both my biceps. That's if I got manhandled, is I've been manhandled by God the Father. He said, Look, you're getting too big for your britches. Tore both my biceps, tore my Achilles tendon, the very things that I make my living from, the very things that I pride myself on, right? I pride myself on his body because I'm so strong. And God's like, look, you're not, you're not doing the right thing. Here's a little whooping. And so I've been handling that way many times too. And so the whole point of me asking that, you had said two things prior. You said uh, religion and what was the other thing, if any of you remember? In terms of like the initiation process, movement, yes, away from the mother. yes, right. Yes. You need austerity, right? Austerity or the challenge, which is the rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And then religion, religion offers meaning. It offers purpose. It offers a dignity, right? I think dignity is so is so lacking today because the world teaches us that we you're just a bag of bones. You're just a bag of bones, and when you die, nothing happens, and you just you just rot in the ground. I think the, the the idea that the soul is eternal gives the, gives the human being dignity, right? So we're robbed of our mm-hmm. dignity. The minute you remove God and, and the afterlife and the soul, we lose our dignity as human beings. Then we just, you know what they like to tell us? You're just an animal. <laughs> You're just an animal, just like the dogs. What the, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. That doesn't make any sense. I have much more dignity than my dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 100%. But what you said, you said uh, religion and fasting, so like two key principles that a man could do to start to kind of shift his life around and start, you know, going back into that masculine frame. Yeah. And then the whole reason I brought up the whole man and stuff and the way you worded it, humiliation or humility, being humiliated yeah. is like the third thing that could be a, a good key factor for someone. Because if someone's got their ego on 100, there's no way that they're going to be able to be uh, the best man that they can be, that that masculine figure, that real masculine figure. Mm-hmm. That's what the austerity is about. It's about humiliating, right? Humility. Is, I like that word, humility, humiliation, humor comes from the same root word. And so does humus, which means dust, right? The dirt, the dirt is, has humus in it. That's the nourishing part of the dirt. And so it's very human, <laughs> even the word human. Right? Human. Humility. It's, uh, it's human to be humble. 
So mm-hmm. what does humble mean to you? Because I've heard a lot of things and it's like people don't have an exact definition for it. Knowing your place. That's really what it is. Knowing your right place in the order of things. Right? Mm-hmm. Knowing your right place in the order of things. Knowing that, knowing where you and I are not the authority. Knowing when I'm to be subservient. Right? There's a time and there's, a, and there's, a, there's an order. There's an order to life. Right? Not everybody is not everybody can be the leader, right? But they don't have us believe that. Everybody's a God, right? You can be your own God. Not everybody's a God. Not everybody's a creator. Not everybody's a leader. And it's, it's this humility to know, okay, I'm under this. Or, you know, I'm humble to know that enough to know that I am the authority in this situation, but I'm going to carry that with dignity. I'm going to carry that with respect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. So here's a little twist. I, I've always been wondering this because I've, been a prospect of your journey for past six, seven years. And I know that um, you weren't always religious or, you know, maybe you had it, but it wasn't like, it was kind of fluid. Why don't you speak about that? Cause I know at one point you were, uh, you were following the Baha'i, Baha'i faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting. I want to know like your perspective and like what led you to where you are right now. Well, first, by the grace of God, I was baptized Catholic as a baby. And, that, and it, didn't, mm-hmm. it took me until I was, you know, almost 40 to realize that because like most Catholics, we, my parents baptized me and that was pretty much it. We went, you know, a few times and I had, I went to CCD, actually. I went to uh, get my confirmation and, and things of that nature. And I think, right, I don't know, but I think in retrospect that that placed a hunger for God in my life. There, there was, you know, as most men will say, there's something missing, right? There's something missing. I feel like there's something missing in my life. And I, I was grateful enough to recognize that that hole could be filled by the creator, that, that, that sense of uh, dissatisfaction, because they say that only, the only thing that can truly satisfy us is God. God's the only true satisfier. Um, I started to notice it when I was like uh, in college, and I saw a bunch of guys praying on my football team, right? And, and at this point, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really into anything. Um, I was listening to like, I was listening to Alan Watts on on Net and on Napster, right? So I was like into like uh, like Buddhism and stuff like that. Like I was just, I wasn't a Buddhist, but I was like, I really like listen to him. So that was as close as I could get to it, to Abrahamic faith. Uh, I'm sorry, um, you know, it was like Eastern. But then when I saw these guys praying, just something, again, something just in my heart was like, I should be on my knees. That's, that's what I should be doing. And I was just drawn to it immediately. These guys on my football team, they would pray before the games. I was like, that's what I need to go do. And I went, I started praying with them. I started going to the Bible studies with them. And, and I felt like I was in the right place. Um, but as with, you know, many things in my life, you know, I get hot. I get hot about it. I get excited about it. And then you know, things take over and it goes away. And it kind of went away. Then, like I said, I've been dating, I've been with my wife since I was in high school and um, I was getting ready to go to the Marines, right? When I graduated from college, I was, I was ready to go to the Marines with post 9-11 and I was going to go anyway, but because it was post 9-11, uh, everybody started wanting to go and they kept pushing the dates back, right? And for me, because it was just like a flood of people wanted to all of a sudden want to become Marines. 
And uh, during that time, because I was going to go away, I was I wanted I was getting married. I was going to get married. I was going to marry my wife. I was going to marry her back then. And um, I wasn't at the time I wasn't Christian uh, and I had really I really hadn't really thought about it that much. But I did see I saw a pamphlet or I saw an ad or something for the Baha'i faith. And I was curious about it because I'm a mixed race man, right? Living in America. And the Baha'i faith was all about like unity, right? And I was really drawn to that. I was like, wow, you know, it's like different people, different colors. I was like, I guess I could vibe with that. And so I started reading the, um, the writings of Baha'u'llah. And I went through all his writings, man. And I learned a lot about uh, Islam because it comes out of Islam too. So I even bought a Quran and I was reading uh, the life of uh, Prophet Muhammad, PBH. And uh, so I really, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was cool. I, you know, I was, I was youthful. I was a kid. I was maybe like 22 years old. And then, you know, we got married. My wife got married. We got married as Baha'is. I was Baha'i. And then uh, I moved to Florida and all that. I just kind of went out the window. And uh, Baha'i is such an obscure faith. There's not too many. There's not like a lot of Baha'is. And so when I came down to Florida, I kind of just went away, right? And I thought nothing of it. And I would just take my kids, because I still had a, a draw towards God. Um, I started just taking my kids and my family to like a Protestant church, to a regular church, right? And I was like, all right, well, I mean, it's something that I think we should do. It's the right thing to do. I think religion is important. And so we did that for a little while. And then it just fell off again. So if you can see, my journey is just like back and forth, back and forth. And, um, and then, you know, I became YouTube famous and I was religious then. I always been religious, but I'd never really been, I always, I always hanker for God. I always, there's always something there for me. And so even when I was becoming YouTube famous, I still, I still spoke of God. I would still speak about God. I just wasn't involved with any religion or anything. Um, until I had a, I had a crisis of sorts where, you know, I just, I became 36, 36 years old. I was just like, I'm not sure what I'm doing, right? And I guess it's that hankering again, that God's calling me again. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. And uh, I don't know where to go. I don't know who I am anymore. I just was going through a little bit, a lot of confusion. And I started smoking weed too, right? Here I am at like 35 years old smoking weed. I never smoked weed before in my life. Here I am smoking mm -hmm. weed. And that's a great mm -hmm. way to disorient yourself. So I started mm -hmm. getting even more disoriented because I'm like, I'm confused and I'm high. <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, it's not a miraculous story or anything, but I remember one day, maybe about three years ago, two and a half years ago, I was high and I was crying. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Take this away from me. Just take this away from me. I, I, I promise. I was just making all kinds of wild promises and I'm just like praying to God. I don't even know what I'm doing. And it came over to me, it, it came to me. I don't know if God spoke to me or what it was, but something came up in my heart that Elliot, you've, you've done a lot of wrong things. <laughs> I started feeling guilty. I'm like, wow, yeah, damn, I really did screw up. I did, I did some things that were not right. And I started thinking back about like, even when I was in high school, just the, all the things, I, all the sins that I've committed my whole life just started coming up. And it was even things that I didn't even think was a sin. Like, of course, I was fornicating with my wife before we were, we were married. Of course, I married her, but I, so I never thought anything of it. But then, like, that came up. It was like, look at you, man. You're a little kid having sex. 
And then just all these, all the sins just coming up. All the, all the bad decisions I've made and people I hurt started coming into my mind. And I just had this overwhelming sense of guilt. Like I deserve this. Like, yeah, my life is hard right now. And, you know, it's subjectively, you know, everything looks like it's great on the outside for my life, but I'm tore up. And the sense that came to me was, Ellie, you need to go and ask for forgiveness and repent of your ways. You have to go and get this all off your chest. You got to, you, you need absolution and you need to turn your, turn your life around right now. And so I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what to do, but I remembered, I was like, who am I going to confess to? I don't know anything about confession. Uh, I remember, Hey, I'm Catholic. I can go to the church and I can receive the sacraments. I can receive all the sacraments. I can receive the sacrament of reconciliation. I never went to confession before in my life. <laughs> and I had to go on YouTube and learn how to do it. Like, how do you, what do, how am I going to go confess to this priest? Like, I know I need to go do this. So on YouTube, so watching the videos, I, I found the, the closest parish I could find. And I went and it was, I went and I broke down and I was crying in front of that priest. Talk about being manhandled, right? That was a manhandled moment for me. I was crying in front of people. I was sucking and, and whining, just like, you know, like I was, like I don't, it was, it was, it was humiliating. <laughs> and um, he didn't say, he didn't even really speak English very well. He was a Spanish guy. He didn't say anything very profound. He, 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 he gave me the, the absolution, right? And I walked out of there and I just wanted to keep coming back. Something, the thing with the Catholic faith is that I get to go every day and receive the body of Christ. And it's a ritual or Catholics believe that the real presence of Christ is in, is in the Eucharist. And something just told me that that was the right thing for me, that I needed to, I need to be with Christ every single day. And you could, you know, you could go to the Protestant churches and they, they open on Sunday and that's it. And they don't even believe. Right? There's a lot of things they don't believe. And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not knocking any religions. That's not my point. I'm just telling what I needed. I needed the daily presence of the Lord. And so I just started mm -hmm. going to mass every day. I was going every day. I was the youngest one there because, you know, all old people that would go to stuff like that. I know Muslims are a little different because you guys are young and you're devout. There's not too many. It's coming more. There's more Catholics that are coming around. But but it was all old people. And I'll be the only young man there. And uh, I'll go every single morning. And that really, that changed, that, just that ritual alone revolutionized my mind, my whole way of being. And uh, so that's where I am, that's where I'm at today. Do you feel at peace? No, I'll never be at peace. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what I'm here for. I don't think any of us are here for, to be at peace. We're here to we're here to uh, to mortify this flesh so that we can purify the soul. I'm here to sanctify myself, and the sanctification process is not a peaceful process. It's a battle. It's a war. It's a spiritual fight. And so I'm I'm fighting every day. I don't think I'll ever stop fighting. Maybe 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 the grace of God will will allow peace to descend upon me. But I'm not I'm not waiting for that. I know that I have to fight. I have to fight daily. This, the demons are always knocking on my door. They're always whispering in my ear. So there will be no peace until they're all obliterated. 
And that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. I respect that. But I mean, when you go and you worship and you go to the mass and you go to church and all that, you feel peace or you feel something like that gives you like ammo to your gun through this uh, it reminds me it gives me humility it reminds me of who i am one of the things that we do when we go and 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 i love the way you guys pray too right because you get down on your face you get Mm -hmm. down on your face what that what happens when you get down on your face it reminds you who you are one of the things that we do in catholic mass is you you beat your chest and you say you you commit you, you by my fault, my fault, my own grievous fault. So it's like you're, you're in a way you're beating yourself up to remind yourself that I'm a sinner. I'm screwing up. I'm not perfect. I'm trying my best and hopefully God will forgive me. But every day I, you beat your chest to remind yourself, hey, look, I ain't, I'm not perfect. I'm making mistakes. I can do better. I can do better. So when I go, I have a sense of reverence. This is what I, start, I really fed me was a sense of reverence walking into a holy place right there's not many holy places in our world anymore you guys go to mosque mosque is a is a, is a holy place but the secular world most of it there's nothing holy about it that everything is profane and so walking into a holy place that in itself give me a sense of reverence uh, again humility i feel low right because this place is, is about on high and i want to feel low i don't want to feel high I, the world make me feel high all the time Oh, Elliot, you're, you're a God. I need to go to a place to remind me I'm not a God, <laughs> right? Then I get down on my knees. I get down on my knees and to receive the Eucharist, you go down on your knees and you open your mouth like a dog. That's humility. That's humiliating. So I go there to not for peace, right? And I'm not saying I'm right because people, other people tell you different things. Let me tell you what happened to me. I go there hanging my head. I go there down on my knees. I go there begging and pleading, Lord, please forgive me. And that's my attitude about it. Otherwise, I've been very, I've had prideful spirituality before where I, and I remember I like, I, and I, and it's one of the things I had to uh, ask for forgiveness for praying to God with all kind of brashness. God, like, you know how did, a lot of these like new agers, like they, and even some of the, you know, Abrahamic religions where they, you know, they, they're talking to God like it's their best friend, like, you know, and, and all charismatic and stuff. Like, no, I, that don't work for me. I got to bow my head in humility and speak to God in that, from that place. This, that's what it does for me. And that's what I need. Would you say that that allows you to have uh, the God consciousness where you, you're just aware of God? Because you said you, You've had some sort of a level of religion, level of uh, um, spirituality in your life throughout your entire life. But it's like being where you are now, doing what you're doing now allows you to keep that alive versus before it was like, eh, it might come here, but then it might be like a few months before, you know, you uh, get off your ego trip and then well, get the into difference that humble place. Is this. I, and this is a way I was looking for religions in the past. And I think a lot of people, this is where they get caught up in new age and stuff. A lot of people, we looking for what religion could do, 
for us. Like, you know, God is like a genie, right? And I'm gonna, and if I, if I do the right thing, say the right things and I rub this, rub it the right way, God can give you what I want. People are looking for all kinds of bliss and nirvana and enlightenment. They're looking for all these pleasurable experiences. That's why they're going out into the Amazon and drinking that ayahuasca and getting high and thinking that it's God. They're just looking for stuff. They're looking for feelings. That's really what it is. It's, it's, the, it's the religion of emotionalism. And so there was a time when I was when I was looking for that. Right. I wanted to get a high from God because everything else gives you a high in this world. Right. And so, like I said, the difference is that I don't look for that high anymore. And if you stop looking for the high, you won't be disappointed. Right. Like if you constantly looking for a high and you're not getting that high anymore, you get disappointed. and You keep looking around. We're going to get that next high. That's why I say, you know, weed is a gateway drug. It's like this is not giving me the high no more. I got to go get that next one. And I would get a high. But I don't get it. I don't seek highs anymore. And that's the biggest difference. That's why I won't be bouncing around so much because I'm low. I'm low now. And so if it don't feel good, that's the right way. If it's painful, that's the right way. If it's the narrow path, that's the right way. And so the different the difference is that if if it if it's hard, right? Now that I'm where I am right now, if it's hard, that means I'm on the right path. If it's easy, if it's ecstasy, that's not the right path. <laughs> You're moving in the direction of resistance. Of resistance? Yeah. I'm, I guess you, I don't, I'm, I don't really know what you mean by that. Moving like in resistance, like it's not easy. It's not ecstasy. It's not pleasure. Right. And maybe that's a know? trip too. You know, maybe that's an ego trip for me too. But I know that it keeps me reverent. It keep, and it keeps me humble mm-hmm. and that's that's the right thing for me i can't i can't be a part of something that's all too celebratory it needs to be somber it needs to be it needs to be low <laughs> Feel that. it's powerful it's powerful and honestly bro like i speak for myself here i don't speak for fire i don't speak for rami i don't speak for all the muslims um and what i'm about to say a lot of people might disagree with me but look i never cared if someone uh, look down on me or disagree on me, but from what I'm seeing, like you were pulled in that direction, right? That's what you said. Pulled. Like you felt pulled. It was like yo, like I gotta go to God. I gotta do something. It. I don't know if I was pulled, but it came down upon me. It rather than pull, it was like boom. <laughs> right it's like yeah. it just it collapsed down upon me you right pull is yeah. one thing but boom i was like oh okay. got you got you but it was something something happened where it's like it was a a shift in your life yeah <laughs> like something had to change right mm-hmm. and we can't say like oh that's just some random thing because you can't keep writing things off as coincidence because a lot of times Things happen in such a way where it's like, dude, there's no way that this can be a coincidence. Right. So it's like, like I said, I'm going to say this for myself, and I don't even say this because you're Elliot Hulse. This is not me being <laughs> a fanboy or anything. This is me just being real with you. And I think that if uh, God is guiding you mm-hmm. in that direction and that's allowing you to keep moving forward, you know, uh, come close to God and work through this this uh matrix that we're living in then by all means yeah i don't overthink it 
And I don't think I don't overthink it for myself and I don't overthink it for other people. I'm simple in my faith. That's another big difference for me right now. I'm not intellectual about it. I don't intellectualize it. I don't, it is sound, might sound crazy. And so a lot of people tell me I'm crazy when I say this, but I don't question it too much. I'm not trying to figure it out because that's an ego trip for me. I'm a thinker and I'm an intellectualizer. And so I just keep it simple. Just keep it real simple. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, yeah, so that's, 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 what work, that's what works for me, man. And again, I say this for myself because it's <laughs> like, I understand like God's going to guide people. However, he's going to guide them. Like um, a lot of people will say, no, no, what I'm believing in is the correct way. And you know what? If you ask me, I would say, no, Islam is the way. But I also understand that God guides people in different ways. And like, if I were to neglect that, if I were to only say, no, um, this is the only way and listen to everyone else, well, then I would neglect the fact that I was guided to Islam. Whereas like that in and of itself was guidance where someone else might have guidance in a different direction. But again, by all means, if it's allowing you to worship God, if it's allowing you to come closer to God, if it's allowing you to cut through this matrix and humble yourself, then by all means. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way about you. Same thing, man. It's... It's all right. It's all good, right? It's all God. That's facts. So, a big question that I had, and um, this is backtracking again. I'm actually pause right there. I'm gonna let one of y'all jump in because I completely got a blank slate. Completely forgot what I was gonna ask. No worries, man. Uh, you do it like three times an episode. You know, Rami, real quick. <laughs> so you talking about yourself. <laughs> no, your, your mic's cutting out, bro. Move it. Rami, I was going to say, move the mic a little closer to you. Oh, okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 100%, bro. Okay. Thank you. Um, I was just kind of in awe the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was really inspiring. SubhanAllah. Um, a lot of a lot of different you know verses and stories came to my mind. Uh, like for example, Allah says in the Quran that um, the servants of the Most Merciful are those who walk the earth with humility. And then He actually goes on to give an example: um, those who, when they're greeted by ignorant people, they respond with salam, peace, you know, words of peace. Um, and and the Prophet peace be upon him, uh, to kind of back that up, he says that um, uh, basically he teaches us not to argue, right? Don't uh, don't get in arguments and all that, and that He'll guarantee like a house in heaven for those who give up arguing, even if they're right, because there's so many things that you know. There's no good that comes out of it at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing about humility really hit home for me. And all I could think about is like when we go to the mosques or when we're praying in what we call jama'ah, which is like um, we're all praying together. You're just one body, a whole row of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you just, you know, praying with your head facing downward and thinking about God, reciting God's words. And it's just the most humbling uh, experience I've ever had in my life. Thankfully. It was really, you know, beautiful hearing that, you know, come from yourself. It was really, you know, reassuring uh, hearing the talk of humility again. I feel like I needed it, to be honest. Good. 100%. Hey, fellas, I have an appointment at uh, 3.30. I, I thought we'd be done by now. Mm. Hey, would it be, could I, could I uh, part ways with you guys? 
Right, you so do what you got to do. For sure. <laughs> yeah, they're blowing me up right now. Cool. Yeah, no hey, it was great. Yeah, I'm happy I was able to connect with you guys. You guys are doing some good stuff, man. Keep up the great work. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. And you as well. Uh, I know no. you do it. You said you do it for the money, but uh, may God grant you uh, more success. We're making men strong. We're making men strong again. That's really what's happening anyway. So uh, God's willing. For sure, man. We appreciate you for making the time, man. Wish you the best. Okay. Great, fellas. Talk soon. For sure. Take care. See ya. All right. Before we end it, with that being said, that was Elliot Hulse. May God bless him. Dude, I uh, just remember brother. what I was going to ask him, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I was going to ask him. I was going to ask him, what does he think about purpose now for a man after or before he was in religion and after he came to religion? Mm. Well, lie, that would I mean, be a great question. Inshallah. I mean, here's the thing, bro. Maybe maybe part two, guys. Hit us up if you, uh, if you like this episode. Like, comment, subscribe. And... Any parting words from uh, Anho? You've been kind of silent most of the episode, bro. So uh, you want to say something? I've been the most talkative one, bro. <laughs> yeah, you have, bro. you damn right you have. Um, but hopefully you got some of your questions uh, and insight answered. Now, for Rami, I want you to end this off, but give me, give me like a closing uh, line or two, bro. Just because... Here's the thing, for anyone watching this, even though Elliot left the call, I just want to let him know that me and Anha have been extensively following him. Not to some, you know, shirky, idolatry type sense, but we look up to the guy. We, we give praise where it's due, and he has really made a difference and impact in my life. And I think my brother Anha can say the same. But for you, this was one of your first encounters with Elliot House, getting to know him. So what are your thoughts, man? Um really really humble guy i'm glad i didn't have the box that you guys are mentioning where i put him in this box and i expected him to be this way i just kind of like i've heard him talk a few times i don't really know too much uh so it was just kind of like a normal interaction like you know you run into someone kind of get to know them um but he is very very i think i just mature and humble and i think it's a beautiful thing um i would also add like focus like he seems like he knows what he wants to do what his mission is like he said at the end making men men again making men strong um i think it's a beautiful thing uh, i think uh he's a very uh properly guided guy honestly and someone to look up to alhamdulillah man may may allah may god guide him and continue to guide him and guide all of us allahumma amin allahumma amin all right oh, man. it was dope i'm not gonna lie it was dope because i did i feel like a part of me was expecting him to um, express himself in a certain way, and just to just to talk with him in a, a very humble sense, mm -hmm. and very candid, but very humble. It uh was it was nice. It was yeah. refreshing, man. Yeah. I agree. It was refreshing. This is day yeah. three or four of Ramadan when you guys are going to be watching this. So uh, he's right, man. At the end of the day, Ramadan is a death to the dunya, just to your material shackles and things that possess you and hold you um, and kind of make you submit to them in a way, whether you realize it or not, whether you like that or not, right? At the end of the day, like some people don't see the wisdom in, in Ramadan and fasting and religiosity as a whole. How many people are watching this that don't even know anything about Islam or religiosity or God or even theism, right? 
and me, you, maybe Rami as well, we've definitely gone through our own roller coaster of our outlook on these things, right? We weren't born with 100%, you know, iman or, you know, taqwa, you know, consciousness, belief in Allah, in God. Uh, it was something that, you know, it's it's not an overnight thing, right? But that's the thing. Essentially, you get out of the way, you stop trying to be God. You know, it, it, religion, Islam, it's not about you trying to see if, you know, God or the truth, um, you know, aligns with your values. You know, people don't look at it like that. People see, oh, do does, does the truth align with me? It's not do I align with the truth, right? It's does the truth align with me? You know, so they kind of go into it with this expectation that it's it's not more so, you know, do I agree with you guys? It's more so do you guys agree with me? If not, I could just get the hell out of here and, you know, we could just part ways and uh, not put our differences aside. But he's right in the in the same way, you know, however, we can all find truth and meaning uh, into God. But with that being said, man, um, Ramadan is a perfect time for us to understand that. And put that in the forefront and put our desires and, and whims and, and these little things that don't matter in the back burner, right? Oh. Not, it doesn't have to be forever, but if you guys are not even Muslim, right? If you guys are not religious or practicing and you want to you wanna give it a shot, just give it a shot, bro. 30 days, you know, you guys missed a few days if you haven't already started, but... It's just fasting. It's it's essentially, you know, obviously this is not medical advice. So if you you got some underlying health condition, predisposition, maybe maybe consult your physician. Uh, but with that being said, if you want to just give it a shot, you know, you're not Muslim. You kind of want to see what it's about. Who knows? Maybe this will bring you, uh, you know, more peace at the very least and a new way of thinking and paradigm shift at the best or at the most. So give it a shot. You know, no food or drinking, no sexual intercourse, no, you know, haram right? From sun up till sundown. Shouldn't be too hard, right? Because, uh, you know, but but then again, people today, you tell them, uh, be away from your phone for five minutes. They can't even do that. People don't realize how addicted they are, right? Just like Brother Elliot said. So give it a shot. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let us know. Um, hashtag Ramadan 2021, if you made it this far. And I'll let Brother Rami end it off. Dude, before you even, before you even end it off, man, Yo, I'm going to have so many Muslims at my neck, bro. For what I said. Oh, that God guides people. Like, in, in yeah, ways. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot of people sending me some hate messages. But it is what it is, boys. I mean, in my opinion, as long as Allah guides them eventually to Islam, then uh, you could say that. But if you say, like, Allah guides them to um, some secular worldview... Doesn't really make sense. And that's that, that's way. not what I say. What no, I say meant, like, is more so like yeah. Allah guides people to him. Yeah. And Islam may be the way that this person is guided to him. And for another person, it might be something else. Now it's always gonna be having something to do with spirituality and with God going back to God, but it's like at the end of the day, again, if you ask me, I'll say, oh, well, Islam is the way because it's 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 what I practice. It's, it's what I've been guided to and it's what allows me to come back to God. So it's like, but for another person, it might not be that. It might be something else. And like, who is it? Who are we to judge them? Like, at the end of the day, we're not the ones judging them and saying they're going to go to Jannah, they're going to go to Jannah, Jahannam. 
Like, no, 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 it, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's, that's all I pretty much was saying. But uh, again, some Muslims might be at my neck just saying something like that. No, but I do believe, bro, I vibe with you 100%. And everyone has their way of finding the truth. Everyone has a message to come to them, right? But as long as you are receptive, you will get there, you know? I love Elliot Holson. Elliot, if you are watching this episode after you left this little post-recording session right here with the T3M, uh, I mean no offense when I say this, but the only thing that I would personally not agree with myself, and it's okay to agree to disagree, is uh, the whole thing about just being a little like, okay, I'm not going to question things too much. That's just me. Because for me, I can't not question things because then I won't find peace. Then I'm kind of doing it for the wrong reasons. And, you know, if it works for you, it works for you. And this this can go to everyone. But for me, if something doesn't sit right with me, I got to question it. And that's why we believe that if you are in any position you are, um, you're essentially being guided to Islam, like Rami says, but you need to stay in a position where you are in a, in a receptive state to be guided. You cannot be uh, kind of like, okay, I know everything. Because um, just like Elliot too, if Elliot was in that, in that state where he identified with his ego, he wouldn't have started, you know, questioning things, finding, you know, connecting with his fitra, which is your innate belief in God, uh, coming to, you know, the Baha'i faith and then coming to Christianity or Catholicism, and it wouldn't have worked out. Same with us. I wouldn't have come to Islam um, fully understanding it and practicing it to this day if I didn't really question things and understand uh, its validity as truth, right? So I, I advise and still promote all of you guys watching this, guys and girls, to question everything. As Allah tells us himself in the Quran, to question everything. Don't just believe the religion of your forefathers because it's the religion of your forefathers, right? It's up to you and it's your life. When it's all said and done, you can't use these excuses like, oh, I just did this because of this person or that person. I mean, I think like eventually it gets to a point where it's like over skepticism and all of that, but we should. That's question true, bro. Things. But yeah. within, <clears throat> within reason, my, my message is don't look at it as, you know, does the truth align with my values mm-hmm. and my truth and my reality? No. Look at it as, okay, do I believe in the truth, in reality? What he said, what Elliot said in the beginning about objective, objectivity, not subjectivity. Yeah, I agree. And it's like what Rami said way back, where it's like, if you go to one extreme, you'll probably end up leaving that and then going to the other extreme. Where it's like, and then also one extreme will breed the other extreme. So it's like, you have to find that middle path. Mm-hmm. and it's like i get what you're saying too where you, you you're saying um instead of not questioning you should question but you shouldn't over question mm-hmm. where yeah. you you start getting super skeptical and then you don't believe anything then you're like mm-hmm. an atheist you know what i mean but then if you believe everything then you're too gullible and then you're like uh these are new age people yeah, these, these spiritual nuts who want to decalcify their pineal gland and awaken the third eye and all that. Jeez. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But uh, with that being said, if you guys made it this far and you are ready for your serving your daily dose of cognitive dissonance and paradigm shifts, go to our channel. Bro, don't even subscribe, all right? We're not out here for clout. Just go to episode one. Start your journey there. Don't even like the video. Help dislike the video. 
go to episode one, start your journey there. And may Allah, may God truly guide you through this wonderful journey of introducing Allah, God himself, religion into your life, into your secular life, if this is you. If you're already out here, 10 toes down, alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. But this is for the people that don't really understand religion, don't really believe in it. Um, it's why we started this channel. There is a reason, rationale behind the sequence of events of the episodes. It's not episode one wasn't episode one just because. You feel me? Anhel's not wearing his uh, red camo shirt just because. Right? There's a reason behind everything, right? Rami didn't hold the mic far away and then bring it closer just because. Everything happens for a reason. So that being said, bro, if Anhel is, you know, has nothing else to add on, end it off. How about we uh, don't you know, encourage them to dislike the video. Let's encourage them to like the video, share the video with their grandma, their cousins. Oh, my bad, their buzzins, boy. Well, and, as the um, abuelitos. Yes, and the brujas and the brujas. Uh, dude, what was the hashtag that you said for this video? Hashtag Ramadan 2021. Yeah, if you made it this far, hashtag Ramadan 2021 and put hashtag daily dose of D. And I'm not talking about that, D. You sick people. I'm talking and what about... What are you talking about? Dissonance. Oh, I thought it was the daily dose of Dean. Oh, okay. That mm. works too. Mm. But daily dose of D. D. And whoever made it this far will understand what we're talking about. If anyone mm-hmm. leaves some immature comment saying, oh, we are immature. We are not pious. And we are like little kids and narcissistic. Hey, well, um, you ain't make it this far. So, Rami, go ahead and end it off. No, before that, guys, please make some dua for Anhel and every other revert that will be doing Ramadan for the first time this year. And may Allah make it very easy and show them that it's so much more beneficial than our ego and minds constructed to be harmful, right? And all these excuses, oh, will I die? Will I do this? Will I dehydrate? Will I lose my gains? not really about that but may Allah allow them to just vibe with the truth and truly get a lot of value from this Ramadan I mean oh, if uh, if anyone is a revert and they're also doing Ramadan feel free to message me um, I won't respond but it makes you feel better feel free to message me if you want someone that responds go ahead and hit up Rami or Faya those two are on it a hundo but with that being said, we got nothing but love for y'all. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.